Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Palate Exposure, featuring Alona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life. So as you're describing things, I'm just, again, this picture is starting to emerge um, of a very agile mind. When you say, I love school, here's how I interpreted it. I identify as a lifelong student of life, really. It's not a formal academic collegial piece that matters to me. I learn from everybody and I am the happiest when I'm the dumbest person in the room because I really want to just sponge it all from other people. Um, And it strikes me that you're have kind of a similar mindset to that, that your mind is constantly on. Um, I think that's, um, it's, it'd be hard for me to, um, it'd be hard for me to know the opposite or be aware of the opposite. Cause yeah. I don't even see it as being on to me. It's just, that's where I'm at. I wake up in the morning and I'm, I'm thinking about a few different things, you know? Um, but it's, I think, I think, uh, I can't explain that. I just, mm-hmm. I think there's a certain part of awareness that got cracked open yeah. uh, with some of my mentors and my, my family. And uh, that's just how it is. Yeah. No, you know I, I mean? I'm not comparing you to him. I just want to preface it by saying that, but a lot of people have been wondering for years about Robin Williams and he's of course uh-huh. probably the most formidable improv guy ever. Yeah, absolutely. Brain worked is like you can't really relate to it, but to him it was second nature. And you know, all the bits and pieces I read and saw over the years fundamentally was asking the question like, how does this phenomenon exist? How does his mind actually work? But right. perhaps it's less important to understand it than to enjoy it. But when we're speaking about it, kind of the dynamic is similar to me when someone is just so extraordinary in tune with every single molecule of life. And by the time that you got done thinking about it, he's like 300,000 yards ahead of you. <laughs> he's, <laughs> That's he's, 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 he's legitimately <laughs> fascinating. Yes. So. And that talking about trust, he trusts every single moment that he's in. You know what I mean? And that he, he never, he never, he, uh, if he is apprehensive about anything that is coming um, from him, it's nanoseconds. That's amazing. It's being so present. Yeah in every single nanosecond. I can't even like wrap my head around it, but I know that it's there. I know that it existed and you possess that quality clearly. Oh, that is beyond, thank you. I don't even know what to say. Um, No, I mean. I don't, don't, (laughs) that's crazy, thank you. But it's, you know, I feel very fortunate to know you because, you know, it makes me feel that the world is such an interesting place. There's plenty of stuff that goes on in the world every second that is tragic and sad and dramatic and all that stuff. I really thrive, you know, running across individuals um, and hopefully forming meaningful relationships that represent the best of humanity. And to me, that doesn't mean that you're the most intelligent or the richest or the most, however you define success at all. For me, the definition of this, you know, really elevated versions of human beings are the ones that are thinkers, critical thinkers that, that are connected to themselves. I love that. I cannot get enough. So that's why I'm not just being complimentary with you. It's you are a very dynamic person that lived a lot of life. And I'm not just saying physically in your mind, 
you give yourself trouble to think and evaluate and think critically. And to me, that's, that's the most successful person that I can identify because that's the type of people I want to be around. They want me to be, you know, they want, they make me want to be a better human, a more elevated person, a, a sharper person, more astute, more emotionally intelligent. That's sure. what I look for. So. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. I mean, I seek that uh, in people, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm the same way with you or as you about that. You know what I mean? Um, to find those things in people. And then once we have some kind of connection, I like to learn however they got there themselves. Absolutely. No, it, it's, it's truly a treat. So there you were in the apartment that was the size of a small closet eating for granted yeah. and mm -hmm. having all kinds of fun and getting to know yourself and what you what you're like in the context of san francisco which is a whole other piece to it because we're different in different environments and somehow you found your way into a bar at this point right am i correct uh yeah i'm at, I'm at a place called rohan lounge it's a korean soju bar the korean community ah. uh in the inner richmond uh really really warmly embraced me to teach me about their soju and uh and i turned rohan lounge on second in gary uh, into kind of like a, um, I, I made soju and hip hop work together. Um, and so, you know, I bought a big screen TV and I put it on the back wall and I played like Streetcar Named Desire and, uh, you know, um, you know, Mystery Train, Jim Jarmusch films, shit like that. And then I would be playing John Coltrane records at the front of the bar and the people would be coming in. I'd be sharing ideas about soju and having conversations. And then the cities, you know, Ellis MCs would come at the end of the bar. It was kind of like a round, like a round, I don't know. It was round at the end of the bar. And uh, they would come in and they would just wait about an hour before close because they knew once we closed, I'm locking the door, we're pulling out bottles of soju, and we're just all MCing. We're just in a cipher, you know what I mean? And practicing our flows. And, uh, you know, it was it was a thing. So it was a very special moment. I mean, I guarantee you, like, uh, every, every IG live I do, people come on, they're like, yo, Rohan, you know what I mean? And so it just was really like, it was really cool. And what's really cool about it for me is that it was just all, um, it definitely gave a welcoming space to a lot of people of color. And that to me is very important. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, we had Korean kids and Thai kids and Filipino kids and Mexican kids and black kids. And, you know, it was just like, we were just in there, you know, and we we're all in there because of, you know, we're, I mean, we were eating good food. Don't get me wrong with the food there was pretty banging, but, uh, you know, we were, we were, we were all there for the for the culture of it, you know what I mean? And, you know, I was lucky enough, to, you know, where I'm from is called Bonton, right? The Bonton is the the host, right? The MC, you know what I mean? Um, uh, you know, just think, you know, a version of, you know, Ringling Brothers, you know, the, the guy the guy in the center of the ring with the hat and the, doing the thing, you know? So um, it was definitely like that. And, uh, I mean, it was a very special time, you know, uh, before San Francisco got super techied out and culture was the fun thing. Wow. For those of you that don't know, by the way, soju is a Korean vodka, right? It's a distillate. Um, yeah, well, I wouldn't call it a Korean vodka. I would just call it a Korean spirit. It's most likely it's compared to vodka often. Yes. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, typically it's made from a lot of things. Uh, you know, some say sweet potatoes, some say grain. Um, there is a raspberry one called Bokbun Jaju, and uh, that's fucking awesome. It's like this really cool raspberry uh, soju. Um, there's some made with ginseng. Um, there's some made with barley. You know what I mean? Uh, there, there's, it's a whole universe. It's all culture. I mean, soju has been around for centuries. So, 
Um, yeah, no, outside of the Korean culture. I mean, I don't see it on bar menus very often. You know, I just no, I mean, kind of by yeah, myself. The, the problem was, rather, the challenge for soju was the branding and marketing. They're like, oh, this is an alternative to vodka. And you're just like, That's, that was whoever started that. I have a bone to pick with that person when I find them. So. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get it twisted. I'm still hip-hop. I'll still battle. So, you know what I mean? Nice. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the, the problem was the marketing, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I hear that. Um, and like I said, I know very little about it, but I know enough to validate what you just stated, which is it has many faces. It has many iterations. So it's, Yeah. A lot of people are probably most familiar with the one that's uh, the most probably is uh, Chamasul. But Yipseju is my, my favorite. Yipseju is like, to me, it was kind of like the cleanest and the driest. Uh, and I would just mix that with dry vermouth and a lemon. And to me, I was like totally into that drink for a long time. You're going to have to put some links. Oh, oh, oh you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm like, I need to be writing this down. I want to taste it. The, the other day, uh, I was cleaning my room because that's what you do during COVID. And um, I ran across one of my old laptops. And it was the time then that I was at uh, Rohan, yeah. and I wanted to sh I wanted to show my lady. I was like, "You got to see this." And then this is I'll show you. <laughs> I got to show you this. So so this is like no, I don't, you got a glare probably. Oh my but, god! I need a copy of that. I yeah, I'll send it to you. That was the picture. And this is like you know just straight hip hop. We're gonna oh, do this. Look, I'm sorry, but you look like a badass. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> It was so funny. Wait, you want to see? Like, check this out. Wait, this one. This one is embarrassing, but I'm gonna show you because it's pretty funny. Hold on, let me let me flip the screen. Oh, come on. Hang on, I gotta flip the screen so you can see it. Those uh, are like really. Oh, that's that's vintage. <laughs> that's some vintage shit. I mean, oh, where to go? A powerful visual. Yeah, pretty good. Come on. Oh, there you go. Look at this one. This is hilarious. Oh my God. I feel like I'm looking at like a movie poster. <laughs> Seriously. I, if you had shown it to me, I, first of all, I wouldn't recognize you. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of morphs, a lot of, a lot of morphing going on. And I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm just saying you look different. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, um, uh, my, I'll just be completely candid with you. The first lady that, took my heart and mind and soul was a really amazing uh, painter. And her name is, can't probably shouldn't say her name, but she is still one of my best friends on the planet. Um, and she, man, I didn't understand what love was until she looked at me and it was over. I was just like, yes. We, I have this memory of her when we were on the beach in Galveston and she just laid in the sand and she was so free and like her hair just kind of went everywhere. And she was just looking at me smiling. I was just like, ah, oh, dude. I've never been this powerless. You know what I mean? Um, so it's pretty rad. So she gave me a gift. Um, that was, uh, I, Bob Marley is one of, is one of my biggest, uh, like he's my role model in my mind. Uh, and it, just in general, like Bob Marley's, I wish I could tap that in some iteration of his being, but, uh, so she gave me this, uh, his, his, uh, box set. So a box set, is obviously like all the music that they uh, have ever produced. And in that box set, there was a picture, four pictures of Bob Marley in a row, uh, or rather in a cube. And, and I always told myself I wanted to get to the blue photo. And so this is a version of that. Oh my God. Right, and so 
you know, the picture you just saw is the orange photo here. That's my version. And now I feel like I'm finally slowly getting into the blue phase. Oh my God, we have to post this. With this you know what I mean? You guys got to see it. I mean, that, that's amazing. Yeah, that, that to me. And I, the very first time I saw that, I remember as soon as I opened it, I remember exactly. I was like, wow, I think that might be my spiritual path. Like, like that might be evidence of a path I'd like to take. Absolutely. And you know what I mean? I just want to repeat something you said, because literally it sounded like music to me. I didn't know what love was till she looked at me. It's like a song title. <laughs> oh, it's, but I 100,000% mean it. Like, oh man, I I have a book somewhere where I drew a picture of just, you know, you know, I mean, it was real, you know, it was like, it, I love that lady. She's an awesome person and she's still very talented. And now she's a nurse defending COVID or, you know, wow. helping defend people from COVID up in Seattle. And she's super cool. Um, yeah, she's, she's an awesome person. What a, what a fantastic connection to make, you know, love connection, of course, the romantic, yeah. but also have the lifelong friend. That's very Yeah, I mean, just, you know, make it clear, like, I was 18 years old when we were together, so, you know, um, she, she, her art is incredible. If you see any of her, it's like, you ever see art where you're just like, how, how did that come out of a human being? Like, that is insane. You know what I mean? I felt that way when I started studying cathedrals and shit like that. And when I was looking at these cathedrals and stuff, I was just like, somebody did that. Like, you know, there's certain mosques, you look at the, the, the you know, the structure and the architecture, and you're just like, that is insane. I was like, this, that's a definition of uh, expression, you know? Somebody once told me when I was studying the cathedrals, they was like, well, you know, architecture is just frozen poetry. And I was like, that, that, that never left my mind. You know what I mean? So that was pretty, yeah. And there's some buildings when you look at them, you're like, that's 100% facts. It is. There's something so elevated about it. It's not just a compilation of building materials. They're really no, yeah. no, that makes a ton of sense. Wow. So there you are, um, basically the host of all these people that may otherwise have been, you know, somewhat dis disenfranchised, it's fair to say, right? And you kind of galvanized all that energy, right? I mean, it, um, yeah, you know, I'm mean, disenfranchised or not. I think they were just inspired and feeling it. Yeah, yeah. You know? and what a great communal spirit that you've created in that physical space of Rojas. You know, you are really kind of the consummate host at this point, which makes. So I was, I was learning. <laughs> I was learning how to be a host for sure. I mean, I will yeah. probably. I made a lot. I mean, I made a lot of mistakes for a long time. Well, that's how we learn the best. I think mistakes are often just opportunities. Otherwise, how would you know? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, because uh, if, as soon as I see a brick wall, I'm like, can I run 100%, 100 miles an hour into that? Just so I can figure out why I didn't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of us can relate to it, but I think it's your own bruises that you acquire as a result of running into walls that you remember the best. If somebody tells you, cautions you against, it's like, yeah, that's not quite as impactful. Um, so you were in this bar creating this camaraderie and communal spirit and cocktails. And uh, more, more camaraderie and communal spirit than cocktails. Cocktails okay. at that time were pretty weak. They were like juicy and weird, and, you know. Got it, got it. At some point you were discovering how to make cocktails that are stories, just who you are, you're a storyteller. So somehow that medium started to reveal itself. How was that happening? Uh, if that happened, I didn't know it was happening. For me, it was like, um, I'm speaking in a general sense at the moment, but 
if someone is an artist, put it, put it in their hands, see what happens. You know what I mean? An artist will find a way or they'll find something in it. You know what I mean? Um, at that time, you know, for me, it was a lot of, a lot of dancing. I was dancing at that time to a lot of uh, old Jamaican dance hall music. Actually, I wasn't break dancing anymore. I was doing like Jamaican dance hall stuff. And, uh, and I was studying, uh, Doe's Green put me on to like crazy. He's, he's extremely knowledgeable and he put me on to a bunch of stuff to study. Um, and uh, then I got picked up by a really close friend of mine named Jay Foster and Deanna Saison, who owned Farmer Brown, who used to own Farmer Brown, which was the, one of the only soul food cities, uh, soul food restaurants in the city. Um, and uh, it was a black owned business and it was just a really cool place to be like, all, you know, basically what I was um, creating at Rohan just had a bigger stage in this, in their space. You know what I mean? Um, so it was super cool. Um, and that's when Jay just started being like, check out this watermelon radish. And I was like, what is a watermelon radish, dude? And you know what I mean? So, uh, and so he, he would just be like, he just tossed me fruits and vegetables and just be like, dude, just eat it, bro. And I was like, all right. Um, and that just kind of started sparking my mind. I started creating basically uh, subconsciously, most likely uh, an encyclopedia of flavors and colors and textures in my head somewhere. Uh, yep. I believe that. Um, and I'll start with the radish. Do you remember the first thing you tasted that just like really clicked in your mind? Yes. Like, yep. Um, and it's nothing special. It was my grandma's uh, Spanish rice. Huh. It, it was like there was so much cayenne and lemon and just flavor that I remember the first bite I took. I was probably like, I don't know, five-ish. I don't know. Oh. And I took a bite and I just ate it and I just gave her the biggest hug and kiss on the cheek. And I just remember, I remember everybody at the table being like, well, that must be good rice. You know what I mean? So, um, and it stayed with me. And, and, that, and to this day, my favorite comfort food is refried beans and rice. Like, you know what I mean? Amazing. I don't, I don't even, I don't even need the enchiladas. Like I just, just refried beans and rice in a bowl and it's a wrap, dude. How connected are we to childhood? Seriously, I think everyone that's listening, if you really just roll a deck's back and give yourself like a space and time and think about the favorite food that just throws you instantly like time machine back to that moment yeah and we're so yeah I, I i didn't know i didn't i mean i knew i had that memory but i hadn't recalled that memory until you said it and as soon as you asked me that question i remember that moment that's so awesome you know i think we all have sensory prowess it's just we don't think about it we don't utilize it or practice it and i don't know if it's thinking about it as much as being sensitive to it yeah like being aware. You know? yeah and you're you hyper know? aware which is what makes you so darn talented yeah. and special. Um, I think I think I'm just trying to find the fabric of experiences every time I experience something. But back to your question, if we're talking about like, do I remember the first cocktail that flipped my mind? Yes, I remember that too. And it was by uh, Doug and McDonald um, at his bar called Cantina, and it was a blackberry capena. And and I remember just being like, how is wine working with? It was it was like blackberries, lime, and then he had like I think it was a cabernet. Or maybe it was like a Malbec style wine, and um, and it was crazy good. I was just like, "This is impossible. How are we getting red wine and lime and all this stuff to work together?" And at the time, I was the uh, I was the assistant manager at Palmer Brown, and uh, I went back to work maybe the day after that. And I, I took the whole team. I was like, "We're coming to taste this because this is crazy, and everybody needs to experience this and try to understand what it." I took the bar team rather. Um, and so, you know, I started making people get interested in cocktails. At that time, I had way more responsibilities on my plate than that allowed that didn't allow for me to make cocktails. Um, 
it was more about creating the culture of the space. You know what I mean? So, you know, off went Streetcar Named Desire and on went really cool documentaries about Muhammad Ali over the over the restaurant and everybody could see. And I was picking uh, really cool music. I was trying to pick really cool music, um, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that Blackberry Copenhagen um, definitely was most likely uh, the, one of the strongest catalysts for me to pay attention to cocktails. That and then going to lunch with my sister at Absinthe for the first time. And we sat in front of that bar. And I remember thinking, like, how do people know what all these bottles do? Like, it, to me, that was just like a tidal wave of labels and bottles and spirits and shit I can't pronounce. And I was just like, what? How is that possible? I thought it was so cool. And then I saw this other really big influence of mine named Johnny Raglan, who I still respect and love to this day, who to me is the smoothest cat behind the bar I've ever seen. And, uh, and I just saw him working. And I was just like, that's pretty cool. You know what I mean? Where does he work? Now he's the owner of Comstock Saloon. Comstock Saloon. Yeah, he's one of the, he's one of the owners of Comstock Saloon. Uh, and he's doing really cool. He does this really cool Instagram thing uh, on his Instagram, rather, called uh, Cocktails in Front of Green Tiles because his kitchen has green tiles. And he is just, he's just, I love that guy. He's awesome. I'm so. I, watching his hands so work was inspiration, was like technical inspiration for me. That's quite. That's quite an inspiration source. It's a very famous place. I'm sure you guys have heard of it, particularly if you're in the Bay Area. That's an iconic place. Um, yeah, it definitely was on the forefront of the cocktail explosion in the Bay Area, like right at the front. I'm still trying to work out Blackberry Caipirinha and the wine composition. <laughs> I was thinking about it because I, I need to know more. Um, I thought I knew well, more about craft cocktails, the tiny mouth, but this is a headbender. Yeah, so yeah, that was crazy. And then, so I was talking to Duggan. Uh, again, oh, check this out. This goes back to my boy, Mark Hurley, who, uh, again, created Future Criminal Town. He grew up with our mutual friend, Scott Beatty. Ah. And so I was at Rohan Lounge doing corny ass shit, like Jolly Rancher infusions. I had no idea. <laughs> and then and then have somebody like Scott Beatty coming in with my really close friend, Mark. And he's like, yeah, this is Scott. He does cocktails. I'm like, that's cool. You like my Jolly Mansion infusion? That shit's dope, right? And he was just like, yeah, dude. <laughs> that's cool, man. At that time, he was already, he already killing Cyrus. He already made his book, you know what I mean? Which I would pick up way later, and that would become a major inspiration for me uh, when it came to cocktails. But uh, the first one I tasted was Duggan's. Intellectually, uh, uh, aesthetically, cerebrally, uh, creatively, Scott Beatty was huge influence for me. Oh, Scott B. Duggan here. and Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> same here. And he cannot say enough good things about you. Uh, that guy's, that's like, I can't even get on that. That dude is extremely talented and many other things. But he was, uh, yeah. So he, he, you know, he has a big influence on my style. That's so awesome. And aesthetically speaking, I think he makes some of the most attractive cocktails ever. Oh, his drinks, his drinks are literally like extremely beautiful. Like, they are. like don't, don't touch it. Leave it alone. It's I know. It's like you know what I mean? Like you it's like, like, and they're delicious. It looks so good. You have this like farm table in Sonoma somewhere with all this delicious bounty on it. And then you see like this striking bejeweled cocktail just in the middle of the table and you like leave it alone. It's in this natural environment. You know what I mean? It's like, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. He, he does crazy good work. Yes. And just for reference, you guys, if you want to look him up, he's at Meadowood now. Right now. Yeah, he's at Meadowood now, exactly. Meadowood, and he 
does a lot of weddings and parties and he is able to scale those extraordinary cocktails you know he can yeah do that 100 or 200 which wow. i would just like to point out how what a feat that is when you're able to scale uh the 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 beautiful aspect but also the minutia in balance to the level that he's able to do it on a scale of like two three hundred like that is that he still inspires me and he still challenges me to learn uh really like i can't do that like i'm trying but i can't you know what i mean um so you know he still he still is uh i don't know he's still he's still a leader of the pack in, in my mind you know what i mean so well i'm sure he uh, i had a podcast with him recently so i'm sure he would love to hear that from you because uh, there's a lot of love between you guys it's, it's mutual admiration society for very very good reasons you, you have some amazing strengths um but you have definitely one thing in common you're purists you know, you're <laughs> yeah. the essence out of the ingredients. Yeah, well, you know, he 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 inspired me to figure that out. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Otherwise, I'd just be chomping on watermelon radishes. <laughs> well, I've had a watermelon radish recently, so this COVID thing um, has one that would has a few benefits. So they're worth discussing because there's not many, but those that are great. Um, a lot of farms that used to sell to high-end restaurants, you know, Michelin-starred restaurants in San Francisco and elsewhere, now are going dry because the restaurants are temporarily out of business. So you can order some, quote-unquote, exotic ingredients, meaning something you normally would not see in a grocery store. You might see it at Berkeley Bowl, I would have to say, but not. Yeah, shop local, dude. Yeah, so I've been, whenever I see something different, I always order it. So watermelon radish is delicious. Yeah, that, that that flavor will always remind me of uh, Farmer Brown. You obviously are so in tune with everything. Again, just to point um, point out how acutely aware you are of your environment and the context and the texture and the flavor of everything that surrounds you and everything you're consuming, both visually and internally, physically. So I just want to remind everyone that when you pick up a radish, you might eat it and go, well, it's a radish. But when Christopher picks up a radish, there's like a symphony. There's an explosion of intellectual activity, isn't there? Yeah, a lot is, a lot is happening whenever, yeah, a lot, a lot is happening usually. Very cool. So at this point, it sounds like you're starting to experiment with cocktails and you know that library that you're referring to uh, of knowledge and palatal memory is starting to kick in. So tell me about that process. How did it all unravel? You know, you were talking about Robin Williams earlier and, you know, we, we were discussing about how, you know, he trusts it and if he has any apprehension as nanoseconds, et cetera. Um, I think that one of the keys, cause I've thought a lot about Robin Williams that you bring it up. He, uh, it isn't, how do I say this? If you choose to name it, you freeze it. And if you freeze it, you kill the flow. And if you kill the flow, you lost it. Right? So I don't investigate my process. I just let it happen. If things start to become a pattern, then I pay attention to them and I give them a little bit of structure. Right? So, you know, when I'm at K Figo, um, it took probably about two, three months for me to go in on my day off and just feel the space. Like, like again, viewing the bar with your presence and your energy is real. So I would go on my days off, the restaurant would be closed. And I would just sit there and look at my bar and just just meditate, basically. And I started realizing I was writing on these little small notes. And um, 
you know, I would, I would, there was these little small, like, like things you would take orders on, right? Like if you were taking orders from somebody and I just started writing on all these notes and they just started like, uh, scattering around. And so I realized it's like, Oh shit. Like I need, uh, I need to tape these down. You know what I mean? Uh, so I started taping them down and then when I, uh, started walking in from time to time, I already knew I needed the green tape. I already knew I needed my notepad. I already knew like the chair I wanted to sit in. And then that way, like it kind of becomes like a routine or maybe a ritual perhaps, you know what I mean? That, that you become familiar with. And I think once you become familiar with, or you start creating that routine for yourself, um, you start to put yourself in a place where you can go immediately into a concentration or, you know, a focused mode. And um, I think that's super important. So here's an example. If you can tell on my Instagram, see the green tape back there. Wow. Right. And so this is my little setup. So, you know, I have my notebooks out. I have a lot of notebooks. I have a lot of little visual inspirations. I always like to put herbs and fruits around me that contrast visually, but that are also aromatic. And I'll just sit in that little space for a little bit and I'll play my music. I'll play some Charlie Parker or I'll play, you know, whatever I'm playing at the time. Uh, but most typically it's probably jazz, uh, like Bob style. And, uh, so I will sit in that space for a while and I'll just start smelling like fennel and I'll just look up and then I'll see chinterba or green chartreuse. And I'm just kind of sitting there and I'm just like slowly creating a cosmogony of my own between, uh, senses between the, it's an amalgamation of the senses. Uh, but you don't force it. You don't pressure it. You just let it come to you. There was, when I played basketball, uh, my, my, one of my coaches was a really talented player who became a coach. And he would always tell me, he's like, let the game come to you. Because I was always, like, hustling and hard and pushing. And he's like, just, like, don't force the shot. Let it come to you. Just let it come to you. And, you know, I was too, I never I never had the maturity or sophistication to understand that at the time. And now when I sit at that chair, Cape Figo, and I, you know, surround myself with these little things that inspire me or, you know, that trigger me, um, I understand what he means. He's like, like, don't be like, oh, fennel? Fennel must work with this because that's that. And it has this in its nature. And this is his profile. You know, like, fuck all that, dude. Like, just let it come to you. Like, be open, be calm, and allow it to reveal itself to you. You know, I feel like ingredients have their own behaviors. And I study and I talk to my ingredients. It's hilarious. Like, I'm talking to my mint. Oh, you don't want to work with me today? Oh, why are you sad? Oh, you need some water? And I just, I'm like talking to my bar. I'm talking to my fresh ingredients. I'm talking to my inanimate objects that are now my friends. You know what I mean? The creative adult is the child that survives. You know what I mean? And what I have done in my life is make sure that no matter how much people make fun of it or laugh at it, I just stick to myself and, and stick to my, my, you know, animations of the inanimate, I guess. Uh, yeah. The conclusion of this interview can be found in the next podcast already available for your download. Thanks again for tuning in to the official podcast of Pal Exposure, featuring Alona Thompson.